0: please turn in your Gospels to John chapter 20 verses 19 through 22. John 20 19 through 22 and this is the Word of God. On the evening of that day and this is Easter Sunday it is Easter night on the evening of that day the first day of the week the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I'd like to look at this passage through these three words, through the words peace, purpose, and power. But first, do you mind if I just tell the story? It's no wonder that they were so scared behind the locked doors that night in fear of the Jewish authorities. To say that things had not quite gone exactly according to plan that week would be a huge understatement, but it all just seemed so great. Palm Sunday, it felt so good. Palm branches waving, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And everybody's thoughts and feelings and anticipation and faith was very high. But by midweek, it was going south. And by the time on Thursday night that Jesus said to those that he was closest to, one of you is going to betray me and hand me over to the chief priests and I'll be mocked and flogged and crucified. They were just reeling. And then the arrest in the garden and then the trials. They were scattering like scared rabbits, hiding behind anything they could hide behind, trying to find a way to get away. Peter, three times, said as loud as he could, I have never met Jesus of Nazareth. He was so afraid. And they're all afraid. And then, of course, the crucifixion. And only John, out of all of them, has the courage to actually show up for for Jesus' hours of agony we, we learned that others were watching from a distance. Of course, the women were there, uh, front and center. But you know the one thing they know for certain is they know Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, is dead. I'm talking Roman soldier certified dead. They know Jesus Christ was buried in a garden tomb it's over. Three years of all they had learned. Three years of, of all of, of the trajectory of the kingdom of God, of, of their identity with Jesus. All their hopes and dreams shattered. Now, you know, when I, I think of something really shattered, I think of that, that kind of glass that's on your car. It's called safety glass. And uh, when you break a piece of safety glass it's supposed to it shatters and about a year ago i had the uh unfortunate experience of having a really hard um pine cone get thrown out from under the lawnmower and right through the back window of my suv uh 2002 and you it's bad when the glass or the the car you're not sure which is more valuable and you got decisions to make but that was what was happening should i fix this or not and what did i see the window was it wasn't broken the window was shattered. And right there in the, the back of that car were just thousands of shards of glass. What do you do with that? Well, you, start, you, get a, you get one of those blue tarps and you drag it up under the back bumper. This is what rednecks like me do at least. You drag your tarp up under the black bump, back bumper and you start picking that glass out and you start sweeping that glass and it takes forever. And there, you know, it's a depressing thing. I'm looking at where my window used to be and I'm looking on this Utah blue tarp. Yes, I looked it up. Tarps are Utah blue. And there it is just in a thousand pieces. And you're not even sure what to do with that. How you get rid of that? That's what the lives of Jesus' disciples were like. They weren't, their lives weren't just broken. They were shattered. And they're just there in a thousand pieces. And it's done And it's over. And we don't even know where we go from here. Meanwhile, you know what's happening during this time, right? They're hiding behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. Meanwhile, Easter has happened. Easter's already happened. Easter Sunday morning. They don't know it yet. Jesus is raised from the dead. Jesus has defeated sin on the cross. He's defeated death in the resurrection. Jesus has appeared to the women, and the women have come to tell Him, We've seen the Lord, and He says, He's going to meet you in Galilee. And, uh, and, and, and James, uh, Peter and John ran to the tomb, and one of them believed. The other wasn't quite sure. They came back. Nobody's sure what quite to make of this. And where do we find them on Sunday night? We find them still behind the locked doors, still shattered in a thousand pieces. And still depressed. I mean, it's Easter, and they don't know it yet. Now, I'd like you to kind of memorize that. It's Easter, and they don't know it yet. We'll come back to that. You know, we need to say this morning, as fellow human beings with the disciples, that we are all afraid. Everybody in here is afraid of something. And there are people here who are afraid about their own lives, that their lives aren't going to work out the way that they want them to work out, that they're going to get left behind from something they're going to miss out. There are people worried about their jobs. There are people worried and afraid about their grades and whether they'll get a job. There are people worried and afraid about the economy. There are people afraid for their children. And there are people here that are afraid for their grandchildren. There are people here who are afraid for our country. We're afraid. So it's good that on resurrection Easter morning, we can look fear in the face with the risen Christ like His disciples did. We find them very afraid. Quote, behind locked doors in fear of the Jews. And and might I just say parenthetically, that's a great metaphor for fear. That's what fear does. Fear puts us behind locked doors. Locked away from life. Locked away from love. Locked away from relationships because we're just fearful. Locked away from joy. But into this fear, behind the locked doors, suddenly Christ appears to all of his disciples except for Thomas, who was not there. He appears to his disciples. And by the way, Jesus doesn't need to go through doors. We won't go through all that, what it means, but the risen Christ is victorious. He's different. He's unstoppable. It's a new era that has begun. But here's the point I want to make and the question I want to ask. What are the first words to his disciples? That, what are the first words that the risen Christ actually says to them? And they are so afraid. He could have said, appeared to them, and said, remember me? Why did you desert me? He didn't say that. He didn't even say, why are you so afraid? Where's your faith? No, Jesus appeared to those who loved him and his very first words were these, peace to you. Peace be with you. The first thing I want to look at is this peace. Can you imagine how those disciples felt when Jesus appeared. And not only was He alive, just as they had been told, but they still loved them. And He's still coming to them. You know, it, isn't it great that, that Jesus goes to them? That's what He's like. He is, he is an initiator. He is God's love to us. God's love from the throne of grace to earth to take the place, our place on the cross. God always seeking us. God always pursuing us because He loves us. God who wants to give us something so much better than what we have. And the Greek word for peace here is the word Irene, And it's similar to the word Jesus probably actually in the New Testament is written in Greek, but it's similar to the word Jesus probably actually said, which would be the Hebrew word for peace, which is shalom. And what you need to understand about that is, is that when Jesus appeared to them and said, peace to you, peace be with you, it wasn't quite the same way we look at peace. I think today in our culture, when we talk about peace, we're more talking about the absence of conflict, right? I mean, there's conflict, there's strife, intimidation, whatever it is, and it's just really there. And then there's the removal of conflict and the removal of conflict is peace. That's not what this means. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus does come with a removal of conflict the conflict that we have with a holy god and that is why christ died on the cross we do not have it within ourselves to make ourselves holy enough to be all the time to be acceptable to god and so god came to people who didn't love him god came to us yes those who rebelled against him why did he do it we don't know he loved us he came and he took away this hostility between God toward us. He took away the the sins that keep us from God. And there is a cease of conflict, right? This is what Romans 5.1 is about. Now there's peace with God through Jesus Christ and and through His death. But that's not the the total meaning of Jesus' first words to His disciples after the resurrection. Peace, shalom, be with you. Now, this, this word actually Is not the absence of something, it's the presence of something. It means fullness. It it means a graciousness, a fullness, a joy, a rightness, a well being that life can be, have a sense of well being under the gracious guidance of God. What it means is that Jesus didn't just come to say, hey, it's okay between me and you. Jesus came to say, receive fullness and joy and peace. You see, it's not just the absence of uh, conflict, but it is the presence of fullness. I remember the night that that I finally understood the gospel. And I know it's not like this with everybody, but I mean, when I understood it, the light went off and I understood three things simultaneously. I mean, like a flash. One was, as I finally got that God was holy and that I wasn't. You know, good guys don't go to heaven. And I wasn't even a good guy. Secondly, once I realized God was holy, I I really did realize I was a sinner in need of God's grace. And then immediately, somebody had shared the gospel with me. Immediately, I got it. This is why Jesus came. And and immediately, I put my trust in Christ and what He did on the cross for me. And do you know what I felt? Again, I'm just telling you my experience. I felt peace. And there's a lot of conflict inside of me leading up to that that I won't go into. And it was the absence of conflict. But you know what else it was? All I can describe it was this. It's going to be okay. Because Christ, God, is in my life now. That fullness just kind of felt like it's going to be okay. I'm giving you a life, Joseph. Uh, My peace be to you, Joseph. Joseph. You see, there is a kind of peace that people seek that kind of looks like this. I'm not going to have peace until everything is just the way it's supposed to be. And everybody gets in their proper orbit around me the way they're supposed to orbit around me. And and one day, and I'm trying real hard to be nice, and and I really do want peace, but until everybody does what they're supposed to do, and of course, I am the oracle of the universe, I am the master of the universe, and I'm going to tell you something, good luck with that. Because, you know, the problem is, you're not the only sinner in the universe, and all these people that are supposed to get in orbit around you, they're thinking you're supposed to get in orbit around them. And people are just trying to scratch out peace with any experience, with, you know, get something from somebody, get something from something. And look, I don't begrudge people trying to scratch out peace, do you? That's what human beings do. But this, this is not a peace that's dependent on what people do or don't do. This, this is not a peace dependent on circumstances. This is just given peace. Jesus said, My peace I give you. Not as the world gives peace, do I give you. This is just a gift. He appeared to them. He said, Peace be with you. And it is the fullness of his love as well. And what's so great is, Jesus says, Peace be with you. Do you see what he does next in the text? Come here. It's so personal. He really cares. Look. Look at my hands. Look at my side. Jesus is assuring them of such love and the ability to give this peace. Verse 20, when He said this, peace be with you, He showed them His hands and His side. Can you imagine how they felt when they actually got to see and touch His hands and his. Do you think there was anybody in that room that said, I'm just not sure Jesus loves me? I'm just not sure Jesus is the Savior the way he said he was the Savior. No, he's risen from the dead. He's there. It's all true. And it's all directed toward them. This love that brings peace. You know, Easter tells us that Jesus is not just our imaginary friend. He's real. He's resurrected from the dead. You could touch Him. You could touch the wounds. Over 500 people saw Him at one time. And several other people who are noted in the Bible, during the era that you could go check it out yourself, it was written. This is amazing. No, Jesus is not an imaginary friend. And I frankly get a little weary of the internet and all the scorn of Christians. You know, well, you you and your little imaginary friend named Jesus. Well, you don't understand the resurrection. And yes, He's alive and, and I know Him. And I have peace with God and the ceasing of war and conflict with God because of the cross. And I have the fact that it's going to be okay and the fullness of His love. Showing the scars just changed the mood in the room. Look at verse 20. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I mean, joy is the essential mood of Easter, right? I mean, this is uh, Christ the Lord has risen today. Hallelujah! You know, this is Easter. This is great. So first of all, his first words were, Peace. Peace to you. But secondly is this notion... Of purpose that comes out of Jesus repeating about peace and attaching it to something else. Verse 21 Jesus said to them again, little flag in the Bible when things are repeated, that's like a double underline, italics, all bold. This is important. That's how Hebrews said this is important by repeating things. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. And then he said, As the Father has sent me. So, even so, I am sending you. You know, there is a worldly peace. Scratching from things and people just trying to get some kind of good feeling. That that person wants for himself. But what's so cool about it is, does this second peace be with you? was basically saying this, that this peace is for you. But it's for other people, as well. This this is peace that turns into love. Look, Jesus wasn't giving the gift of personal quiescence or tranquillity to his disciples. I mean, you know, it's like we we and look, we want a little. I'm 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 okay with quiescence and tranquillity, right? We have a noisy, busy world. But it's not like Jesus was transferring all the benefits of the mother of all spa treatments to His disciples when He said, personal peace be to you. No. Jesus was saying, the ceasing of conflict with Me, I'm here, I love you. The fullness of My love. And it's for you. Yes, it's for you. And it's for you to give other people this gospel, other people, this witness and testimony about the reality of who Jesus is. When the disciples were given this piece, it turns out that this piece is alive. And it's not static, it's not a product, it leads to love. You know, one of the great passages uh, on the love of God is John 15 9 some of you heard this before where Jesus said this, As the Father has loved me, to that extent, that's a lot of love, right? As the Father has loved the Son. As the Father has loved me, so also do I love you. Now live in my love. So as the Father has loved me, so I love you also. Now Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Meaning the purpose of this love, that is the love of the Father, undiluted, the same amount of love that He gives His Son is just lavished upon us through Jesus and the person and work of Jesus. Now, as the Father sent me, so also I am sending you. So we have this peace. What is it? It is the ceasing of conflict with God. It is uh, the sense of fullness that God brings. And it is for you if you put your trust in Jesus. And I'll get to how we need that peace. And then we have this purpose that there's a joyful purpose that this peace is for others through us. But finally, is this notion of the power. Of this peace that Jesus gives. And that's verse 22. It's the strangest thing, really. You know, does this not sound strange to you? And when he said this, all about the two times about peace, you know, and the personal and the purpose. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, this strange? I mean, it's really interesting. And, and, and this, you see, this isn't just about personal peace and it's not just about you and your ministry either. You know what this is saying? This is so exciting. This is saying that Christ's peace and that He gives because He's raised from the dead is about the big picture. It's about the big picture. Christ, and just don't worry about You know, I know the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. Let's just don't do that one right now, okay? Um, Let's just look at it this way. When Jesus says, I want you to have peace, and I want this peace to turn into love for other people, do you know what he does? He acts out Genesis 2-7. Now, some of y'all, y'all remember Genesis 2-7? You're not supposed to. Genesis 2.7 is that moment when God is creating man and He creates man out of the dust. And what does He do? He picks up the the, the material and he, He breathes on man. And suddenly, man becomes a living being made in the image of God. What is Jesus doing here? Well, He's He's reenacting Genesis chapter 2. God still is the one who is the author and giver of life. And now the raised son of God is the one who can give new life to people. Matthew Henry puts it this way. Christ is showing them by breathing on them like in Genesis 2. Christ is showing them that just as God gave life to men by a man by his breath. And started the old world, so the breath of the Son of God gives life and power to the disciples to begin a new world world you see what i want to focus on is genesis 2 7 is about when life from god began and the whole planet and everything that flows and it's supposed to be for the glory of god that's what's so cool about this passage in the upper room jesus breathes and says there's a whole new world coming through you it's not just for you to have some tranquility you got it It's not just you and your personal ministry. I want to, through the kingdom of God, through my people, through my church, I want to breathe a new world that is beautiful. In a world that is maimed by sin. I want to breathe a new world where wrongs are actually righted because we love God. I want to breathe a new world where mercy... Actually exists rather than simply judgment. I want to breathe a new world that's a lot like the world to come and it's coming now. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, is at hand. The kingdom of God is breaking in now, and Jesus does the Genesis 2 7 thing right here and says, Create with my power a new world of grace. That's our purpose that is amazing. He is creating a new world through us as we live out the gospel of Christ. You now, there are people here this morning that are wrestling with who Jesus really is. Hey, that's okay. Keep wrestling. But maybe in all the scratching up peace Maybe in all the bartering and buying and changing out and deals that haven't really worked, maybe it's time to say, I see it. I'm unable to have a relationship with you, God, because you're holy. Now I get it. Now I get why Jesus came. He came to take away this conflict that you have with me because of my sin. Maybe it's time to say, I want to put my trust in what You've done. And not only do I want to be Your child and loved by You, I want Your fullness. I want to know that it's going to be okay and I want to live in that fullness. There are many of us that have known Christ and we just don't live like people that have received shalom. just yesterday uh, as I was trying to complete this message, literally trying to get rid of saying things that don't need to be said so the sermon wouldn't be like an hour and a half or something like that. Well, let me tell you. Let's see. Yesterday we uh, we are getting the house ready to have all our family, extended family over for Easter dinner. That's a little bit of stress. Uh, Yesterday a Another family situation kind of erupted. Top of that. Yesterday night, like nine o'clock last night, the dog got violently ill and wanted to keep us up all night. And in the midst of all this stress and all this, you know, and it's all for Jesus, you know, it's, it's Easter dinner, you know, it's all for Jesus. But we're just stressed out to the max. And in the middle of this, suddenly I had the most interesting thought. Wait a minute. Aren't you preaching on peace tomorrow, dude? And you know, I just pulled over to the side and just said, you know, Jesus, you do live. You do reign. You are living in my heart. And could I, Would you give me your peace? And he did. Now, the dog's still sick. (laughs) We're still going to have dinner. We won't to, by the way. (laughs) And the other thing's still unresolved. So remember, you know, the peace isn't when everything gets in line. But I thought to myself, even as I went to sleep last night, God, it was true in the last 20 minutes. It's Easter But people don't know it yet. We need to let them know it by living out the shalom of God. By being a part of a a ministry where peace becomes love. We need for the shalom of God to be shown because we actually care about where we live, and we want to see a new world created through ordinary people who have the Holy Spirit like us. We want to see the success of grace in our lives and in this world. It is Easter, but people just don't know it yet. So let me say this in closing. Let's enjoy Easter, and let's enjoy Easter peace. And let them know by enjoying it today. Let's pray. Lord, thank You. Thank You for the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's just given. God, there are people here today that have a lot more serious problems than a dog with an upset stomach. And we all have more serious problems than that. Would you unseal our eyes and unveil our hearts to see you, Jesus, as you really are, alive and reigning, still ever pursuing, still loving us? Would you help us turn around from our desperate search for our own peace and see you there? as the one who gives peace. Would you, Lord, give the cease of conflict between you and somebody here today. If you've never put your trust in what Christ has done for you, all grace, did it for you. And you see that you cannot earn this relationship with God, that it's a gift based on what Christ has done. Just you want that. You want that. You pray with me. Lord, I see it. I can't believe it. Now I understand. And I want to turn from everything that I've called Christianity and everything that I've called religion. Lord, I want to put my trust in what You have done for me. Thank You that even now You've come into my life. Even now You've forgiven my sins for always. Even now, Lord, would You help me to know that uh, You love me You always will, and the absence of that conflict has been achieved by you on the cross. But also, would you let me know that it's going to be okay because you are here. And Lord, many of us that know you are just scrambling for peace, holding people hostage for peace, demanding, buying, trading for peace. Lord would you in your resurrected glory and your love that is shown by wounds would you convince us that we can trust a wounded savior Lord would you bring us back to you to simply ask for your peace and ask for a heart that wants to pursue you and a heart that could love other people. Lord, would You change things through Your love in our lives? Would You change things in our family? Resurrected Christ through Your love through us? And would You create a whole new world? The Kingdom of God, even through us. We look forward to the day that we will be with You in Your Father's Kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.